Reading from the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with Him Peter and James and His brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And He was transfigured before them, and His face shone like the sun, and His clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus Himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And the disciples asked Him, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He replied, Elijah is indeed coming and will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize Him, but they did to Him whatever they pleased. And a reading from the first chapter of Second Peter, beginning with verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, This is my Son, my Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are two different things I want to point out to you about this text. We've talked before about the idea of a figure. A figure is in anything from Mr. Peanut from Planners all the way down to the symbol of men and women that you see on your local public restroom. Those things are figures. They're symbols that we're to interpret. So something happened to Jesus that they were to interpret. It was a sign, a vision. They were shown His divine glory. On the mountaintop. And Jesus told them, don't, don't tell anybody until after the sun has been raised. And we find in Peter's second letter where he's telling people. Do you catch that? So the clear logic is that they've preserved this story because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And had Jesus not been raised from the dead, then this story would have come to nothing and no one would ever have known. 
So the glory of Christ is on display here on top of this mountain to assure them that no matter what comes against Him, something good is coming because of who He is. And they know this because of who meets with Him. Moses, who led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Elijah, who preserved the priesthood and the prophethood of God in the place of God. There at the temple and in the place called Jerusalem, in the place that we call the Holy Land. God's name was protected by a prophet named Elijah against all kinds of deplorable evils. And now they come and meet with this Jesus whom they've seen shine like the sun, whose head suddenly looked like a light bulb to them or something to that effect is the best my imagination can produce. And out of that cloud comes the second thing I want you to notice. The first is that clearly the existence of the story is evidence that Jesus was raised because otherwise the story would mean nothing. Are you with me, church? Otherwise, the story wouldn't mean anything. If he had died like he predicted he would and stayed dead, none of us would ever have heard about him. But that's exactly what's at stake here. For just before this story, six days before this moment, Peter had said to Jesus, no, 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 that won't happen to you after Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to be betrayed and handed over to sinful men and be put to death. And Peter said, no, Lord, that can't happen to you. And what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. But now Jesus carries Peter up a mountain so he can see who he really is and see possibly what's at stake that once again, God has sent someone to lead the people out of slavery. Not out of slavery to another human government, but out of slavery to death itself. And a cloud comes down on the mountain, which is Bible speak, for God was present. And out of the cloud, the voice of God came. And most of us could say what he had said just from sitting in church in Sunday school. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And we forget the last part, which is the second thing I want us to think about today. We forget the last three words very often. The listen to him part, right? Don't we often think about Jesus as having come to serve us? Most of the time when people talk about Jesus, I hear them talk about what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus is doing for us, what Jesus will do for us. Apparently the preaching that sells is preaching that teaches people that we can get stuff from Jesus by praying the right prayer, that we can get a new car, a new house, whatever you want. Just by speaking faith into the situation. Very often, Jesus is treated like a cosmic vending machine where if we put the right combination of quarters in, we get exactly what we're hoping for, and life is hunky-dory and wonderful, but that doesn't give much an account for all those people who die every day because they profess the name of Christ. Every day in this world, someone is killed because they have faith in Jesus. So surely that can't be what's at stake here. Listen to Him. It matters, it matters, it matters. But God says... Purely to them. The only command given on this mountain is listen to Him. And the question that occurred to me in thinking about it is, are we listening? That's why that's written on the wall there. Would you like to read that? Let's read that together. You ready? One, two, three. Are we listening? Any of y'all remember your parents asking you, are you listening to me? 
That's happening on this mountain that day. And it's happening here today as we hear this story read to us. As we hear the Word of God opened up and read, we hear God say again, listen to Him, and surely we should ask ourselves, are we listening? This One who has been revealed to us by His death and resurrection to be the very Son of God, are we listening to Him? Or are we listening to what everybody else says about Him? Are we listening to what politicians say about Him? What preachers say? Or are we listening to Him? To Him? Last week when I was preparing to teach my covenant group in Columbia, a question popped into my head that I asked myself. I said, do I quote Jesus enough in my preaching? And the answer that came back to me was no. And I thought, that's a problem. This text brought that to mind. Am I quoting Jesus enough? One of the group reminded me that well, even when you quote from the Old Testament, you're quoting Jesus for God wrote the whole book. And I like that. I like that. But still, Jesus said specific things that very often we compartmentalize and leave them behind because we're more interested in hearing about how we can get our ticket punched and get into heaven when we die than we are about how hearing about how this life can be different and this life can be transformed and how we can be a conduit of God's blessings to our neighbors who are hurting and suffering. And these are the things that Jesus constantly talked about. Jesus hardly ever talked about heaven. Dying and going to heaven was not on Jesus' lips as far as I know except once. And he was talking about the poor man going to the bosom of Abraham and never in fact said he went to heaven. But Jesus talked obsessively about the poor. He talked obsessively about those who were outcast and marginalized. The leper and all those people that people didn't want him associating with. He talked on and on about us loving God and loving our neighbor in different ways. And the question has to be, are we listening to Him? Have we truly any interest in what He says at all? Or has He just become a mechanism whereby we can have peace? That's an important question that each of us ought to ask ourselves. Because if we're not listening, then we can't possibly be disciples. I can remember a teacher saying, I know you're hearing me, but you're not listening. <laughs> There's a difference, right, church? We can hear the words, but unless we carefully consider the words, unless we take them into ourselves, unless we give the, the words of Christ room to work in us, then we're not truly listening. We may hear what he said, read what he said, hear the preacher say what he said. We might hear a layperson say what he said, but until we give the room that the words need in us to challenge us and change us, we're not truly paying attention. It's a troubling thought. The world has, the church has little to offer the world except for Christ. The Rotarians do a better job of some of the things we claim to do good jobs of. We're here to offer Christ. And we offer that through good works, through helping others, through serving others, and through our own words. 
And the only thing that will give our own words or the things that we do power is when they're done because Jesus said to do them. Paying attention is important. Story is told about a zoologist. That's a person that studies animals, right? Associated with the word zoo. A zoologist was walking down a busy city street with a friend and in the midst of the honking horns and all of the noise of people talking and walking, he heard a cricket chirping. The friend looked at the zoologist in astonishment and said, you hear a cricket? Because as soon as the zoologist heard the cricket, he said, hey, I hear a cricket. Wonder where it is. And the guy said, you got to be kidding me. All I hear is cars. How do you hear a cricket? Without saying anything, the zoologist reached into his pocket and pulled out a handful of quarters and threw them up in the air. And when they hit the sidewalk, they made the clanging sound of money hitting the street and everyone around him stopped and looked down at the quarters. And the zoologist said to his friend, we hear what we listen for. Do you hear that, church? We hear what we listen for. Are we listening for Jesus? Are we listening to His words? Are we giving ear to the things He said? There's something at great stake here because Peter, even in his epistle, remembers this event and remembers God saying, listen to Him. Are we listening? I can't answer that question for you. I can tell you that I'm trying to listen, but very often sometimes I kind of get in a place where I want to tell Jesus what's wrong with what Jesus said. Or surely you can't mean that, Lord. But listening, listening means hearing with understanding and accepting what the person in authority, in authority says. Are we listening to Him? I want to give you an opportunity to listen this Lent. In your bulletin was a bookmark. Would you pull that out for a second and look at it? At the very top of it, it says Lenten reading schedule. Do you see that? This is something that you can give up for Lent. You can give up the time it takes to listen to what Jesus has to say. If you want to give up something for Lent, I promise you this will do you more good than giving up Coke or chocolate. We will be reading Wednesday, weekdays beginning March 2nd and finish on Holy Thursday, April 9th. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's divided in three chapter sections won't take you more than half an hour to read that even if you read slowly i'd like to invite you to take up the lenten discipline of listening to jesus of intentionally reading what he has to say to read the gospels to read the theographies of Jesus, to read what He said, to read how it affected His disciples, to read how it affected other people, to read what He did, what He said, and who He is through the lens of these people who went up on this mountain, who followed Him around the desert, who saw Him do all sorts of things. To read it. And each day as you finish the chapters, check it off. 
And I want to give you some tips for listening. These come from an expert in listening. I only know that because he wrote an article on listening, so I'm trusting he's an expert. Is that fair? Eugene Radsip says this, First, if you're going to listen, resist the temptation to monopolize the conversation. When you're reading these stories, when you're reading the stories of what Jesus did and said, let those words speak to you. Don't mine it for other things. Don't think about how it's applicable to today. Let your mind inhabit those words and let those words inhabit your mind. Don't put up roadblocks. Don't think about other things. Don't think about how busy you are. Don't think about your chicken burning or whatever it is that might distract you. But allow the Bible, allow the Gospels, allow the words and actions of Jesus to have priority for half an hour. The second advice, avoid judging the speaker too soon. That's the temptation people have with the text that we used in worship last week where Jesus says all these hard things like if you've already been angry at your brother, you've already killed him. Sometimes we judge even the words of Jesus. We might say, well, Jesus is being a little bit too communist right here. Or Jesus is being a little bit too capitalist right here. Or Jesus is being a little stern with these people. Or how could Jesus say that? Jesus doesn't look very meek and mild right here. Let Jesus be Jesus. Hear what I'm saying to you? There are people who get offended with the idea that Jesus made a whip and drove the animals out of the temple. But it's in the book. Let Jesus be Jesus and let Him confront you on His own terms. Don't paint Him with your preconditions. Number three, don't fake attention. If you're going to enter into this discipline, enter into it. If you don't want to do it, it's okay. But if you commit to it, commit to it. Give Jesus' words the attention they deserve. He is the Son of God who died and was raised for you. Don't fake attention. Number four, he says, if you really want to listen, listen for ideas as well as facts. Let Jesus' words flood your thoughts with the imagination of what He might be saying or let the words seek in and let them create vivid imagination for you and ideas about who it is that he's speaking to and what their life was like. What was it like to be in his presence, to have him speak to you? What was it like for the blind man when he told his disciples, go and bring him near? Allow your thoughts to turn there. Number five, he says, be alert to nonverbal clues or body language. When you read that Jesus knelt and rode in the dirt, allow yourself to see that in your mind. When you read that he sat at the table of a Pharisee who didn't like him, allow yourself to see him there. When you read that a woman of, uh, who was considered to be below him came and threw herself at his feet and cried on his feet so much that she washed his feet with her tears, allow yourself to see that. Allow the words in the story to have place in you. Give it room to happen. And lastly, use the speed of thought productively. This writer says usually we think three to four times faster than we talk. I'm not sure that's true for me. 
But allow yourself to think and hear. And if you really want to be brave, read it out loud. Because it was designed to be heard with the ears. Sit somewhere quiet and read the words out loud. Read the stories, the actions, and the words of Jesus. Actively listen. Because the important question today is, are we listening at all? Everything that we think and do concerning Jesus can't be simply that He died for me and you. We need the bigger picture to be witnesses to the world of what Christ is doing to save the world. An opportunity for you to listen. My prayer is that you'll take it up and that it will truly shape your life. Amen.